This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. My name is Ramon Sanchez. I'm a partner here at Nags Head Church. I uh, predominantly work with youth ministry. That's my passion. I enjoy hanging out with young people. It keeps me young, keeps me fresh, so I enjoy that. That's what, where God has called me to serve. Uh, but also another one of my passions is just to encourage people. I'm a big encourager. I love to see people just get it and understand the Word of God, and most importantly, just to be able to take that and move forward in their spiritual journey with the Lord. Man, that's so huge because just listening but not doing anything does nothing for you. So I love to see people doing. That's what excites me the most. So I hope I can encourage you guys to be strong in your faith and, uh, and to move forward. We're continuing our summer series called Who Told You That? And we've titled it that because we're looking at different Christian myths or maybe some sayings that you might have heard at church or maybe outside of church from other people. Uh, One of the ones that we've been looking at was cleanliness is next to godliness, or maybe it's the other way around, or the Bible's just a book. Uh, Last week, Rick taught about that God won't give you any more than you can handle. So this week, we are looking at Jesus never claimed to be God. We're going to find out who did tell you that. Uh, for me, I believe this is one of the most important out of all of the ones that we've been looking for, up there and ranked at the top as something that you really have to have nailed down in your faith 100%. This Jesus never claimed to be God is something that is challenged by the world. The world challenges this notion. It's fundamental to our faith. If this is not true, church, what is the point of us meeting here? What are we doing here? What's the point of the church? The church wouldn't exist, first of all. And we're just here on Sunday morning just hanging out, listening to some guy talk. That's all it would be. So then you could go home and feel good about yourself. But that's not what the purpose is, is it? It's much bigger than that. This is a common question around the world that people are struggling with. As you saw in the video, everybody has their view on Jesus, don't they? You can Google Jesus. You can ask Siri on your iPhone about Jesus, and she'll give you all kinds of stuff on who Jesus is. But even she doesn't know who Jesus is because she's just going to Google what other people have said because she doesn't understand. She doesn't know. Plus, it's just a robot. It's just a program. So what, is, what, what does she know? But people have their different views on Jesus, Maybe you've had spiritual conversations with others. It might be a best friend. It might be a close family member. It might be a coworker who are challenging your faith on who Jesus is. I mean, we have all these other religions in the world, right? What makes Jesus so special? Why is he so unique? And it's okay to be challenged. It's okay for people to say, who, 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 what's the point about Jesus? Why do you follow Jesus? Is he any better But I urge you to dig in and find out. Don't disregard it. Search and make those connections. If you disregard those questions, then what happens is you become disconnected. What do I mean by that? If you're posed with a question, somebody asks you about your faith, about Jesus, who he really is, why do you worship Jesus, a lot of times we kind of get scared, don't we? We fear those questions even though we shouldn't fear because we have the truth, don't we? God, God left us the truth. We have that right here. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, don't we, church? If you are a believer in 
Christ Jesus. But search and make those connections. What you do, here's, here's two things that happen. First of all, when you get into the Word of God and find out these questions that people are asking, you make that connection with the Lord, first of all, because you're going to His Word. It's like you get to sit down and read to Dad His book. How cool is that, man? I love it when my kids read to me because it, first of all, shows I'm, I'm teaching them how to read, which is amazing, in the right grammatical way because I struggle with that. But then at the same time, it's like they're reading back to me these words, and it's awesome. It's like, if, and God's sitting there listening to us read to him his words, learning about him, learning how we can go back to these people who are honestly seeking to know about Jesus. But if you disregard that, you become disconnected from the Lord. How so? You just missed out on an opportunity, first of all, to share the gospel with somebody, or at least get him closer, planting that seed. And then you didn't get to spend any time with God. You just said, you know what, Jesus, I believe in Jesus. That's good enough for me. Um, I believe the Bible because that's what, I believe in Jesus because that's what the Bible says so. But I hate to break it to you. That, that's not good enough anymore, not in this day. With Google, internet, everywhere, people can just click and find their own answer. And that's what's going on. That's the trend that's going on. Barna Group, they did a survey last year, about August, September, about this time. About a thousand people, they did an online survey, they did a phone survey, and they were asking them if they believed that Jesus was God. But here's the good news. Most people said the survey, as far as do they believe that Jesus was a real man, about 90% said, yeah, I believe he was a real historical figure, according to Barna, at these thousand people. But then they ask, is Jesus God? And the millennials, my age group, and even the younger generations, less than half believe that Jesus is God. I'm talking 48% was the number they came up with. 48% say Jesus is not God. I think a lot of that has to do with the information that we're fed constantly because of technology and the information age that we live in. There's so much to look into and that we get our, the truths all kind of twisted up, and we don't know what is truth. So people do have their own view of Jesus. Don't walk away from those questions, because I want you to be able to make that connection with the Lord. The best way to do this is start with prayer and get into the Bible. Ask God, if you're asked with a question, ask God, Lord, show me where this answer is. Help me to find it, and, and find a mature Christian to help you get there. Don't let them do it for you, Trust me, Pastor Rick does not want 100 people coming up to him and say, hey, look, somebody asked me this question. You figure this out for me so I can tell him? Here we go. Amen. Pastors, you guys know what I'm talking about. You want them to do it on their own. God wants us to feed ourselves. And so go to somebody you can trust who is a mature Christian. Ask them for help. Pray together. Find that answer out. Get into the Word of God. And then go back to that person who really is seeking to find out what you believe is true. Listen to Jeremiah 33, 3. It says, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and incomprehensible things you do not know. Call to me, God says. John chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus is saying, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, and he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. See, God didn't leave us alone to figure this stuff out on our own. We have the Holy Spirit if you're a Christ follower, if you're a believer. 
Also, just us getting together here at the church, learning from each other, encouraging one another, is another way we can grow in our faith together. I've been a Christ follower now for 11 years. 11 years I've been coming to Nags Head Church. I came to know the Lord. I was asking Rick if I could date Rachel at the time. And I gave him some answer that was completely wrong when he asked me about why God should let me into heaven. Because I, I think that was his first question to me, by the way. It wasn't, yes, you can date my daughter. I think it was with Ramon. Tell me why God would let you into heaven. I was like, okay. And in my drive on the way to his house, I'd been preparing these answers because I knew this was going to happen. I'm going to go talk to a pastor. Hello. He's going to ask me some this kind of stuff. So I said, hey, you know what, Rick? I believe in God. I'm a good enough person. I think God's going to take my good. And he's gonna, it's going to outweigh the bad. And he was like, if I was God and I'm not, I'm not letting you into heaven. And I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> my jaw dropped, and I was like, I gave the wrong answer. You see, and the Bible tells us that even the demons believe in God, that they even tremble with fear at, of, of Jesus. So my belief in just God and myself isn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. And then Rick shared the gospel with me. He shared the truths of Jesus and what he did for me. And I became a believer that day. And as I went through my Christian life, God immediately made a change in me. I led my little brother. I led my sister to the Lord. I led one of my best friends to the Lord. God got me into youth ministry. Uh, I began to hang out with the youth and build relationships with them, sharing the gospel with them, growing with them in the faith. God gave me the opportunity to preach many years ago at youth group, not knowing that that's what God wanted me to do, because I was like, nah, son, I'm not going to be a preacher. That's just not me. You know, that's not how I roll. But Andy asked me, Andy's our youth pastor, he asked me, hey, can you preach this Sunday? And I said, okay. Kind of like, I'll do it if you can't. Um, so I did. And man, as soon as I opened my mouth and started preaching, I, I taught on Psalm 23, I'll never forget it. As soon as I started talking, it was like God was like, bam, hit me on the head with the hammer. This is what I want you to do, Ramon. I want you to bring the word. I want you to encourage people with my words. Go out there and tell them the truth. Because I was so excited. And when I got done with it, yeah, it was a little bit nerve-wracking at first. But man, I was so excited that I got to teach the word of God. And then I knew this is what God wants me to do. But I've had some struggles throughout my Christian life. Early on, we kind of go through, and maybe you guys can relate to this, we kind of go through periods of, and this for me happened early on, maybe the first or second year after I became a believer in Jesus. I struggled with my belief. I didn't know if I could really defend Jesus. I didn't really know if I knew exactly who he was and who he claimed. I believed that I was a Christ follower. I accepted Christ as my Savior. I knew that. My life was evident of that. But Rick, one Sunday morning, he was interviewing Josh McKinney. A lot of you know Josh McKinney. He is, him and his family are missionaries to South Asia. They've been there for three years. They're back with us now. They're in the States, so hopefully they'll come and visit us soon. But they were, Josh was being interviewed by Rick, and they were talking about missions and just the passion that Josh had. Josh, Josh has always had a passion for overseas mission. He loved to be able to share the gospel with people and anywhere they were. And, but Rick wasn't interviewing him about that. He was talking to Josh about what he was doing here at home. Josh had befriended these two Mormon missionary guys. Now, if you know anything about Mormonism, you know that they don't believe in the same Jesus that we do. 
They believe in the Jesus of Joseph Smith, not the Jesus of the Bible. So Josh was hanging out with these guys. He was talking to them, sharing the gospel with them, sharing the true gospel with them, encouraging them. And then he turned to us here in the audience and he said, you have to know what you believe about Jesus because there are so many copycats out there that you can be deceived so easily. And I left church that Sunday really convicted. I was super convicted. I had gone every Sunday before that and you know, everything was fine. I, was, I had become like your Sunday-only Christian. I, I read my Bible on Sunday because the pastor told me to turn there and read. I went to my small group, yeah, my connection group every now and then, but I wasn't spending any time in the Word, and that, I think that's what happened. I got disconnected, and so Satan saw that like a prowling lion looking for the weak and began to chip away at my faith until that Sunday when I was challenged, and I walked out thinking, if somebody came to my door and challenge my faith with maybe what they believe in, or maybe they don't have a belief. Maybe they're atheists, and they're just calling out Jesus. I could not have defended it, not back then. I would have ran upstairs and dropped the drapes, turned the TV off, and hoped that they walk out away from my porch. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And so what happened? The Holy Spirit gave me a sense of urgency, man. As soon as I left... That same week, I was like, all right, God, you're giving me this feeling of I need to do something about this. I need to defend my faith. I made the connection. I started searching. And so, man, I started devouring book after book after book about Christian authors, and I started studying things that in school bored me to death. I started studying biology. I started studying uh, carbon dating and radiometric dating and philosophy. I, started, I studied world religions, human anatomy, all these different things that God had already made evident here a long time ago. But then like humans are writing about it and like, oh yeah, look at what I discovered. And I'm like, nah, son, it's here already. God had already said it. And that's the crazy part about it is that as I was reading these books, it kept me going back into the Word of God. Every time I'd had, I was comparing these two, I'm like, all right, God, you already said this. Yeah, this guy's saying it in another way, this Christian author, but you already said this. So I was like pumped up. And so what did God do with me after that? Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. A lot of you don't remember this gentleman. You may, but there was a partner here at Nagshead Church, and he had been around since, I think, the, the old white building. His name was Ed Colburn. Ed Colburn was an awesome, godly man. Older guy, and I looked up to him. He was kind of a mentor to me. And he was just genuine and honest about his struggles. But he loved the Lord. And he saw this passion burning in me. He saw this desire. And I I used to meet up with Ed and Rick, and we were all involved in a small group that met, I think, Monday morning, like at 5 or 6 a.m., something crazy like that. I was the only young guy in the group with a bunch of older dudes which was cool. Hey, if you want to learn about the world and learn like just wise information from good Christian guys, hang out with old people, old Christian guys. They got mad. They got mad advice on their struggles that they've gone through. You're laughing, but it's true. You want to find out how to deal with some certain struggles in your Christian walk? Talk to the older folks. They've been through it. If they're still strong in their faith, they've been through it. So that's what I did. And Ed says, let me tell you something, Ramon. And he was an encourager too. But he also gave me a warning. He said, man, that's so awesome that you want to learn how to defend the word of God. That is so cool. But let me warn you with this way. 
The more you learn about this stuff, the more Satan is going to come after you. It's like you have a bullseye on you. Because first of all, he does not want you to know any of this stuff so that you don't tell anyone. He doesn't want you to tell anybody about what you're learning because he doesn't want people to come to know Christ as Savior. And it's true because when I started getting, gaining all this knowledge, I had more Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons come to my door like you wouldn't believe. I remember one time I was sleeping upstairs in my playroom and, and, and uh, uh, there was somebody at the door knocking. I didn't hear it because I was asleep. My wife runs upstairs and she, and she says, hey, there's some guys out there with some suits. And I'm like, all right, I'm going down. I'm going to go talk to them. I was excited because I was like, I'm not going to run away from these guys, but I need to share the truth because God loves them too. He cares about those guys out there, even though they're saying the wrong stuff. I need to go out there and, and share Christ with them, the real Jesus, because uh, God loves them. They didn't come back to my house after that, <laughs> after I invited them back. I guess I said something that made them think, and that's okay. Maybe later on down the road, God will get a hold of them. But I wonder if you've ever struggled with this. I've been there. That's okay. I've been the type where I'm like, nah, that's cool. I believe in Jesus. That's enough for me. God wants us to do more than that. We're commanded. 1 Peter 3.15 says, You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. But if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Or, or defend it, whichever version you're looking at. Always be ready to defend it. Not some of the time. Not when you feel like it. Because most of the time when you're defending Jesus, it's an inconvenience. Hello, Saturday morning, knock on your door. Can I share about the end of times? No, let me share with you about Jesus. It's Saturday morning. I've got better things to do, but I'm going to talk to this person about Jesus. Yeah, it's an inconvenience, but always be ready, God says. Jesus is attacked more than any other spiritual leader in the world. Like I said, you can search Google and a buffet of stuff comes up about Jesus. So many different views that a lot of people have written about him. Trust me when I say this, questioning Jesus will not quit and it's going to intensify. If the devil can convince you or, any, or by some kind of means, by false religion or by putting somebody in your life, to show you that Jesus is not who you think he is or to lead you away from him, he will. So we must be ready to defend Jesus at all costs. If we believe that we are saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, how can we effectively communicate the gospel if we're struggling with it ourselves? You guys get that? If we're struggling with the truth of who Jesus is, how can we effectively communicate the gospel? If when they come to the door, we run away. We shut the drapes, turn the TV off, hide in our bed. We got Jesus, y'all. We're bold. We, we're supposed to be bold, right? Somebody, right? We're to be bold because this is true. Let's see what God has to say about it. Let's see what God's word says about Jesus. What makes him so unique from all of these other views, whether it's a religious view or a human view as far as him not being real at all. Let's see what the Bible says about it. He's the most unique religious figure that ever walked the earth. He made claims that others did not or they would dare not claim. Two verses stand out to me because people have been talking about Jesus since before he was born. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Look at what Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says. Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origins is from antiquity and from eternity. Not to mention what Isaiah said in chapter 7 about the miraculous virgin birth of Jesus. But these Old Testament prophets, these guys were around like seven, eight hundred years before Jesus was born. And here, where, where it's, like, it's like they're painting a picture for us of this child that's going to be born. He's going to, he's going to be born. But Micah says he's from eternity? And Isaiah calls him mighty God, eternal father? I thought God was the only one that was eternal. Numerous times we're told that God is eternal, right? One of my favorite verses, Psalm 90, verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. One of my favorite memory verses. Micah clearly is talking about Jesus, isn't he? He said when he was born, what's the Christmas song that we sing about, about him being born? A little town in... He said where the man was going to be born, and he's from eternity. Let's continue to dig deeper. Let's look at the Gospel of John. Let's all turn to John chapter 1. If you have one of the Bibles in the chairs, it's page 975. We're going to, go, we're going to look at John. John is probably the Gospel that makes the best case for who Jesus is. The Gospel of belief. Man, I love the Gospel of John. You want to learn about who Jesus is and the claims that he said about himself? Read through that. Read through it slowly. Pray about it. Man, it's awesome. Let's, let's read, uh, let's follow along in verses 1 through 3. Let's do that. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Here, John is referring to Jesus as a word. The word is a divine term, by the way, but it also signifies that he is the good news, the gospel. He is the word. But John also says a lot of other things. A lot of times in the Bible, when you see a word that's repeated over and over again, find out why that word is being repeated so much. He says was five times in these three verses. Now, was to us just means it's, it happened in the past. I ate a burger yesterday. Man, that was good. But that's in the past. But the New Testament was written in Greek. Greek was the universal language back then, so it made sense that this was the language that they were going to share the gospel with because pretty much most people spoke Greek. If Jesus were to have come back at this time, it, everything would have been in English because English is the universal language. But the word was in Greek stresses this. In this particular context, it stresses continual existence. So if something continually exists, that means there's no beginning, there's no end, but eternal. So Jesus is eternal. You could probably replace those words and say it. In the beginning, he continually existed, and Jesus, we can replace the word, and Jesus continually existed with God, and Jesus continually existed as God. Crazy how that reads that way, doesn't it? Dig in and Learn some of this stuff, man. It's awesome. That gets me excited, by the way. I love doing stuff like that. 
But verse 3 also talks about things being created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created. The Apostle Paul mentioned this as he was writing to the Colossian church. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17, he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones and dominions, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is the firstborn over all creation. Not firstborn. He wasn't, he's, we already learned that he's eternal. This is kind of a royalty term. But also, Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. He died and he came back. He was the first one. Glorified. That's what it's talking about. And then it says, let's replace him with Jesus. Everything was created by Jesus in heaven and on earth. Further down, Jesus is before all things, and by Jesus all things hold together. What does that sound like to you? Does it sound like he's eternal? Can't be any, any other thing, right? Wait a minute, Ramon. I thought God was the only one that created. Jesus created. It says so right there. I'm not saying, I'm not making this stuff up, guys. This is God saying this stuff. Jump down to verse 14 in John there. The first part says, The Word became flesh and took up residence among us. So we read here that God, who is the Word, Jesus, became human and hung out with us. You're saying, okay, Ramon, that's fine. That's other people saying these things. I can see that. Other people are saying all this stuff about Jesus. But what does Jesus say about himself? We're going to look at that. Probably the most controversial, confrontational encounters that Jesus ever had was with the religious leaders of his day, wasn't it? You can read all through the Gospels and find out, man, they did not like Jesus, did they? Jesus proved it over and over again who he was, that he was God in the flesh. He turned water into wine. He fed 5,000 plus people with five loaves of bread and two fish. He healed the blind and the paralytic. Y'all, he raised his dearly loved friend Lazarus from the dead. He had been dead for four days. You think he, was stu- he stunk real bad? That man came out of the tomb, all wrapped up. Even with all these wonderful things Jesus was doing, the religious leaders still had the nerve to say, you get your power from Satan, from, devil, from the devil himself is where your power comes from. Gosh, I would hate to have said that. Man, I'd be scared to death. But these guys, they didn't care. They, they didn't believe. Nothing upset these religious leaders more than when Jesus claimed to be God, though. Look at John eight fifty eight, which was our verse that we started with. It says, before Abraham was, I am. This is Jesus. He's talking to these religious leaders. Before Abraham was, I am. That sounds like a weird verse. It doesn't make any sense in English. But if you go back to Exodus chapter 3, this is when Moses is being commissioned by God to go rescue the Hebrews. Let my people go. Go before Pharaoh and tell him, you let my people go. And Moses was like, they're not going to listen to me. First of all, who am I going to say sent me? You tell him, look, you tell him that I am sent you. God's name. I am sent you. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying before Abraham was, which thousands of years ago, by the way, before Abraham was, I am. He's calling himself the name of God. And the only way those guys could respond is they picked up stones because they were going to kill him. They were going to hurl stones and stone him to death. Because why? They knew he was claiming to be God. Look at John chapter 10, verse 30 through 33. Again, he's talking to the religious Jewish leaders. He says, I and the Father are one. 
Again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. Jesus replied, I have shown you so many good works from the Father. Which of these works are you stoning me for? Listen to their response. We aren't stoning you for a good work, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy, because you being a mere man, make yourself God. And then again, in John chapter 14, verses 7 through 9, Jesus says, he's talking to Philip, If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. I just want to say, Philip, did you like tone out what he just said? And Jesus said to him, man, Jesus was so patient. Jesus said to him, I have been among you all this time without you knowing me, Philip. It's like, man, are you going to be deaf all your life? Did you not hear? Have you not witnessed? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. That's what Jesus said. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. From these verses, we can clearly see that Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. Not only was he God in the flesh, but Jesus is worshipped like God. In Matthew chapter 14, this is the story where Peter's out in in this boat, and there's a terrible storm going on, and they're all freaking out and, and scared. And they see Jesus coming towards them, and he calms the storm. And what does it say in Matthew 14, 33? It says that the people in the boat began to worship him. They started worshiping this man, the God-man. Did Jesus say, no, 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 get up off the ground. Don't worship me. I'm not God. He didn't. He allowed the worship to continue. In Matthew chapter 28, Going further, verses 9 through 10. It says, Just then, Jesus met them and said, Good morning. This is the resurrected Christ. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus told them, Don't, Do not be afraid, but go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and I'll going to meet him there. They worshipped him. Did Jesus say, Get up off the ground, don't worship me? No. Because he is God. They were doing the right thing. John chapter 20, verse 28. This is the, one of my favorite parts of the story. Doubting Thomas. He says, I'm not going to believe in this. I see him and touch him, feel him. I want to see him. And he sees the resurrected Jesus. And the one verse, man, it just grits my heart. He just looks at him and he says, my Lord, my God. He worshiped him. Did Jesus say, don't call me God? No, he didn't. He accepted it. There's a lot more I can talk about, but it would probably take about three or four days because there's a lot that the Bible says about Jesus. And there's other stuff outside of the Bible that would prove who Jesus is. But I hope you can come to the conclusion of who he is. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a religious figure uh, who started this religion. He's not just a man a good man who lived an impeccably good life. Jesus is God, and he proved it. You can see how the church exploded after the resurrected Christ. His disciples, they were scared to death. They were hiding in a room, and then they saw the, I mean, those guys were scared. And then they saw the resurrected Jesus. What did they do? They went out and shared the gospel like crazy. Wait a minute, these guys were scared hiding in the building. 
And now they're out here. They don't care if they get stoned, crucified, beheaded. They're going to share the gospel, the good news, because they know it's real. Hundreds of people saw the resurrected Jesus. No wonder the church exploded. They, they're, dying. they're not dying for a lie. They're dying for something they actually witnessed. That's the difference between, by the way, what we believe and all the rest of the world. They're dying for what some other guy said who didn't actually witness it. But here, Jesus, they saw the resurrected Jesus. First century church blew up. That's why we have what we have today, because of those men and those women who, sh- who went out and shared the gospel. So I challenge you guys, if you're maybe struggling with this, maybe you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus. Maybe Jesus is just another guy to you. But I challenge you to search and find out for yourself. Get somebody you can trust. Read through the Gospel of John. Start praying as you're reading through this. I challenge you guys to memorize John 10.30, which says, the Father and I are one. Can we do that? John 10.30, can we say that? Where? See? That's, that's not that hard to memorize a verse, is it? You can even make like a fun little thing about it, like I do sometimes when I'm trying to memorize a verse. I'll be like, hey, did y'all see that Jesus claimed to be God? Where? Oh, he was at John's. What time? He was at, it was at 1030. He said the Father and I are one. Oh, really? Where at? Oh, he was at John's. What time was he there? 1030. Oh, he said the Father and I are one. Okay, John 1030, the Father and I are one. Can we take that verse down and try it? Can we take that verse down? Hey, y'all, where, where, when, did, when did Jesus say that? Where at? What time was it? What did he say? Man, y'all just memorized the verse. That was so easy. And everybody complains about, everybody complains about, man, I can't memorize the Bible, but I know all my kids' birthdays and anniversary. Hopefully you know your anniversary. Check out this video.
All of what Jesus said, get this now, all of what Jesus said and did shows us that God went to great lengths to show us who he is. It seems to me like we also need to go to great lengths to show the world who Jesus is in us. And look at what he did, y'all. The creator stepped out of his throne, stepped down from his throne, became a human, went through the same kind of stuff that we do, and he died for us. Because God is so holy, he can't even look upon sin. And so the only logical way for us to get back to God, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, is that someone has to take our place, someone has to pay for our sin debt, because for one sin, we are separated from God. That already puts us out. The moment of birth, we're out. How can we get back to God? Jesus did that for us. God did that for us. His blood on the cross paid for your sin debt. It doesn't matter if you feel like whatever you're struggling with is not good enough, or, I'm sorry, is just too much that God's going to look at you and say, you are not forgiven. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth and believe in the Lord that, and, and believe that with all your heart and that God raised, raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then in verse 13, it says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. No matter what you're struggling with, if you're addicted to something, if you're depressed, if you feel like life isn't worth living anymore, if you have a broken marriage, if you're a teenager who's struggling with image, God loves you so much. He's, you're so precious to him that he gave himself for you through Jesus. All you have to do is call out to him. Let's bow our heads. If you are saying today, Ramon, I've never heard this before. But I want to make that confession today. You're saying right now, Lord, I believe in you. I believe what you did for me on the cross. I believe that you resurrected, proving that our sin debt was paid. I believe that you are my Savior and that I will never be separated from God. Never. If you're saying that right now, will you raise up your hand so I can see? If you're confessing Jesus as Savior, will you raise your hand up high? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Awesome. Amen. Praise God. You realize you have just crossed over from death to life. Your eternity begins today. God, I thank you so much for these people who have raised their hands and have confessed Jesus as Savior. Lord, praise you. Thank you so much, God, that you came down. You became human. You died for us. Your blood was shed. You paid for our sin, God, forever and ever, never to be remembered again. Now, God, these people, when you look at them, you don't see their sin, you see Jesus in them. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.